0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, band interviews, and so much more. Go check out one of the most recent interviews they did with Howard Jones of Light the Torch while they were on tour over in the UK. It's a nice little quick chat, but uh, really cool that they
1: got Howard Jones.
0: And with me as always, equally as entertaining, Daniel Terry, how are you doing?
1: Doing good, man. I don't know if I'm that entertaining, but I really do try my best every week. Speaking of trying our best, uh, Man, last week, what the fuck? <laughs> the soil work
0: and the uh, Chris Roeder from uh, Like to Flames episode just kind of took over the headlines.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of just jumped, you know, jumped out at us.
0: I think I had texted you, and I was like, I didn't know anyone would care that much about a band not being on a label anymore.
1: <laughs> no, but it it opened up the debate, you know, and there were a lot of people defending the record label. There were a lot of people defending the band, you know. I mean, dude, it was something to complain about. I mean, who who wouldn't be all on that? Right. I think the cool thing was uh, I noticed that Chris's dad ended up
0: liking the tweet of the episode.
1: Huh, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> so thanks for, to uh, Chris for actually sharing the uh, episode with everybody and uh, for the genuinely good feedback everyone uh, has been giving the episode and to Chris and, and all the like Moz dudes. And uh, Disarmonia Mundi uh, has been coming out of the woodwork, sharing a bunch of Facebook videos and so forth of uh, Bjorn actually tracking vocals, and apparently they're making a music video.
1: Well, the cat's out of the bag now. They had to have some kind of update, you know, right right after you're dropping up the episode and being like, oh, am I even allowed to talk about this? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. And then, you know, now it's like, "Well, now we have to do some kind of official update. Right. No,
0: it's cool. It was cool just to see so much positivity surrounding news that was made from from uh, the last two episodes that we did. Um, this episode's guest is Patrick Galante of Ice Nine Kills. He is the drummer for them. You may also remember him from his time in the band Defiance, uh, if you remember that band at all. And uh, this is a fun one. This is one when we were going to do the rebrand, and I was at the uh, Atreyu Ice Nine Memphis Mayfire tour a couple of months ago. Patrick was one that I was like, fuck, you are the perfect person that needs to be on this podcast. And uh you know, as a mixologist and so forth, I mean, how can you not have that guy on?
1: I liked all the segues. You're like, and then moving on to, the, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What cocktails are we now being delivered?
0: <laughs> it created the best segue because it's like, it, I at first when I when it was happening, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, like, you know, some of these things, you know, because I'm trying to do more not being so stiff and rigid with interview questions, but also just letting something happen. And obviously being at a, a bar uh, kind of allows that to happen, but... It seemed like the drinks came at just the right time for us to segue into talking about something else. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And it really, you know, as Dan likes to say sometimes, giving you that fly on the wall vibe.
1: Absolutely. I felt like I was there, although I wasn't drunk.
0: But uh, it's it's been kind of funny because, like, a handful of uh, various people have been asking me about this episode. Like, when is it dropping? Patrick's so great. Like, you know, touring people, like, uh, as of. When we're recording this, I went and saw the Atreyu guys again last night and got to redo the interview that Dan and I ended up losing uh, with Brandon from Atreyu. And, you know, in talking with Porter and his wife, uh, Julia, who uh, was at the show, it was funny. They're like, when's when's the Patrick episode drop? And I think there were probably five people who came up to me and I'm like, when's the Patrick episode dropping? Well, motherfuckers, yeah. you're going to hear it in a couple of seconds. It's it's great to see someone in, in the kind of metal, hard rock community. I don't know. Like, Do, I, do you see that a whole lot anymore? I don't, I don't know that we do anymore where it's like, you know, you just have that one person in a band where everyone has like just nothing but nice things to say.
1: It doesn't happen too often because everybody's a critic these days. I mean, look at us. No, but I think everybody's a critic. So it's 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 easier to talk trash than it is to say something positive. But with this band, they kind of just have this cool factor to them with the lyrics. I mean, they, you know, when, you're, when your lyrical content is typically just movies, that's something that we all you know, collectively try to get behind. And it's stuff that we can all identify with, especially like heavy music fans typically like cult horror movies. And this band is basically just like porn in that regard. <laughs> I guess my biggest question is Ice Nine becoming the new guar?
0: You know what I think actually it is? And I think I kind of, I've been echoing this sentiment quite a bit lately is, uh, I think you're basically seeing with Ice Nine currently right now with, uh, the Silver Scream tour and album cycle. This feels like when Atreyu put out the curse, like 15 years ago.
1: When everybody's just like, oh my God, this band, and it almost gets annoying the amount of people that recommend this band to you. And you're like, no, I'm in on it. And I love them too. You know, uh it's it's a different experience it's not something that i've seen in a long time
0: no no it really isn't like to, to just see this band catching and, and it making i mean like right now they're we're gonna go my wife and i're gonna go see them again on the falling in reverse tour but i mean to see this band go from the atreyu tour which was basically mostly sold out now they're doing a headlining run uh from ashes to new most of that was sold out and then they're doing this falling in reverse tour which most of that sold out i think like i said it reminds me of when Kill Switch put out The End of Heartache, when Atreya put out The Curse. Like, there's certain albums, and I think for this generation, this The Silver Scream is going to be that record for this generation where, you know, 10 years from now, people are going to be like, I remember going to see this band, this tour, this whatever, so many times, and, and the impact it had on, on the scene. And I think, you know, in the day and age where so many people are like, oh, you know, rock's dying or metal is dying, it's great to see a band like Ice Nine kind of doing something different. And it actually reacting with people.
1: Yeah, it's definitely different, and it's fun, and it kind of reminds me of like when I felt like there was actually a community in metal. And because for whatever reason, the the typical way metal scenes go is it eventually just turns into divisiveness until somebody comes along and does something truly unique or something truly different, and then it all it gets really positive again for a while, and then it, it kind of drops back into divisiveness, and this cycle just kind of repeats forever.
0: Kind of speaking to the uh, cycle repeating, let's get into my conversation with Patrick Galante of Ice Nine Kills at Bar Devani, and we'll talk to you guys afterwards. <laughs> So, before we start going too far off the rails here, uh, I have the pleasure of talking to Mr. Patrick Galant? Galanti.
2: I'm sure back in the day in the in the 40s, I'm sure my grandfather and his family would have said Galani because right. we are out of we are out of the New York the New York City um, crime syndicate. <laughs> so I think that when my grandmother got into the mix, she changed the pronunciation to Galanti so that uh, we wouldn't be. <laughs> associated with the Galanis anymore but yes go. Galanti is the name
0: Awesome well you are here in Grand Rapids Michigan at the very thoughtfully it's my home it's basically my other home bar for craft cocktails here yes. at Bar Divani Devani as it is known uh, in so which I've been up
2: welcomed up. in with open arms already.
0: <laughs> yes. This is uh, if you are into craft cocktails or an adventurous drinker, this is where I would highly recommend everyone coming. If you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you will see plenty of the cocktails made here on our socials. Um, I couldn't think of a more fitting place for Patrick and I to do this, given the fact that Patrick actually works at a distillery in Buffalo, New York, at Lockhouse, and as such also is involved heavily in the making of the menu of the drinks that you will try if you ever go there, which I have been there. The drinks are adventurous and fun. And I'm very upset that I wasn't there when you were there. I will say the uh, whiskey sour, the New York sour I had when I was there was not up to par with the one you made me, and I was very disappointed. (laughs) The one that I
2: haphazardly put together in a green room in Indiana.
0: (laughs) The fact that she didn't give me the cab floater, I was like, what the fuck, like, this sucks. (laughs) But it is what it is. Um, You guys are here on a sold-out show on the Ice Nine Kills Tour. Yes, this
2: is the uh, third third show in a row. It's the three first shows on this tour that are sold out, and that's. I'm kind of in my head going, What the fuck is going on?
0: (laughs) All right. So I'm going to tell you this, and it's not to to blow you up or anything like that, but legitimately seeing you guys on that Atreyu tour, seeing how long the merch line was, seeing the anticipation before you even struck one note, it reminded me of when Atreyu put out the curse and the the buzz around you. Yes, and I And I remember leaning over to my wife and being like, we are seeing a band that is like literally in the throes of being the next big band out of this scene. That's
2: it's it's very nice of you to say. And it's like, as someone who isn't as like, I'm not a founding member of this band, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm also seeing it from the outside as well. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I, I knew Ice Nine Kills back when my old band was touring with them. So I, which was a Fiance a, for a fiance, those yes. Who don't know. Um, so like, I've, I've done these, these tours with Ice Nine and I've, I've, like, I bought, I, <laughs> I bought an Ice Nine Kill CD in 2007 when Spencer was just at a show in Buffalo selling CDs outside uh, of Extreme Wheels Skate Park, you know? Like, I've known about Ice Nine forever, and now to be part of it as as it's starting to come into itself and as it's actually starting to, you know, get its legs and, like, it's a very unbelievable, like, like I said, like, third sold-out show in a row, and I'm looking around going... Does anybody else see this? Like, what's going on?
0: Like, what are we... What, what What? should I be expecting in the next, like, two months? The interesting thing to me about it is, you know, Ice Nine has been one of those bands, and I think as a fan yourself in the beginning, you can attest that they're always like that fringe band that, like, a lot of the underground talked about, the live show and, and just the what Spencer brought, that intangible that Spencer brings to this band. But there's something about this last record, and I don't know, you know... I'm trying to get a got to email uh, Mike Mowry in the next couple of days to get him on this show, but
2: oh, he would love it. He'd eat this shit up.
0: <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he would. I don't know. We've been flirting around with trying to do it for a while. Uh, I think I think it'll be good. But regardless of all that, you know, obviously with his managemental podcast and him being so uh, not heavy-handed, but just having a big hand in the rollout of this record, just everything promotional-wise that went into it, it's been it's one of the few records I can think of that's had an impact that it's having and still continuing to have while also seeing the business side of it from Mike's perspective of here's what we did and how we did it and kind of just like full-on Wizard of Oz, the curtain's been drawn back and seeing it. Now from your perspective of being a fan but also now being a part of it, what has that been like for you? Well,
2: it, it definitely shows when uh... – You know when your entire team putting out a record believes in the product and has everybody fully invested in the release of especially a record that is a concept record a record that involves so much um, cohesion and a lot of you know there were so many cool ways to market this record Um, and I think every step has been in the right direction and from You know, from release night, we were at a a release party in L.A. with a bunch of fans that came out um, to listen to the record in a a cool bar in L.A. And we had done, you know, a a screening of the movie um, a couple nights before that at the Michael Myers house. And just seeing how all of this, like, led up to the release. And then within, like, an hour of the record being released, being on charts already and just being like... I wonder if this is just a fluke of like a first night kind of deal. Like everybody who was excited to buy this record, they all bought it on night one. And then seeing that after first week, it was eighteen thousand records sold. Like, who? Do, no one does. That. Not anymore. No, no <laughs> one does that, man. So, like, <laughs> no one th- does there, that was, there was something, something done between Spencer, between Mike, behind, uh, between our, our entire team working on this. That is something that a band and a team hasn't done. In a very long time, I don't think. I, I think this surprised a lot of people in the industry.
0: So something that I was trying to think of because Ice Nine kind of it's a throwback band in the sense that it sounds like an, a traditional metalcore band, but it also has enough of the I would say like that new kind of gente style. Riffing. Sure, it's, tec-
2: it's technical enough to yeah. be um, to stay modern, but I think that it's also. Um, you know it's also sticks to its roots of being a metalcore band and now flirting into radio rock obviously we're getting our entire records being played on octane like doesn't even matter the song you get they they're picking songs out of a hat and just throwing it on octane and people are loving it and i don't know if it's because it's because it's their favorite
0: movie or if it's because it's their favorite band you know how something i was kind of wondering though with this record you know and the fact of Spencer going like here's our theme here's the concept for this record this idea can go from fucking hokey and cheesy and really bad. Like, the, the th- it's a thin line to dance on either end of this. Well, it's the same way that movies are. Yes, the, and the, the genre the, itself. Exactly, the, yeah, the, yeah. The,
2: in the context of the movies that we're doing, like, uh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night <laughs> is arguably a terrible movie. <laughs> it's no troll too, but yes. Yeah, but... <laughs> But you know, uh, but arguably, you know, like the F- Jaws is a fantastic movie that still flirts with being, you know, a very campy. And, and we're taking that in the direction of our stage show and our, you know, like hold on,
0: just a second, cut you off there. I was gonna say we are getting cocktails at Devani. So what do we have here?
1: Uh, so right here, this is a reposado tequila with a jalapeno, pims, pistachio. Uh, Aztec chocolate bitters, Angostura.
2: Chocolate and spice and tequila. Yeah, so I'm it's something
1: kind of going for kind of like those mole-type flavors with yeah. the nuts and the chocolate, um, except there's not really a lot of chocolate in there. But it's it's it, it gets the job done. I tasted it. It's pretty good. looks so. beautiful.
0: All right, so now the all-important taste test. That is really good. And now for Patrick to uh, take a test as well. Thank you.
2: Smells delicious. It tastes delicious. There, I'm getting a lot of chocolate note on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah.
2: No, this is very balanced. I love this. It's not. T- it's not too spicy either. I'm not a big fan of spicy. When you said jalapeno, just just the pe- okay, just the, like uh, the pepper of it. Wow. Yeah. That's absolutely delicious, my friend. So anyway, you were saying yes. um, between our stage show and you know the the marketing of the record and everything, I think that we are also flirting with the line of campy, funny versus serious and actually scary. You know, like we're you know, I'm coming out and I'm setting up my kit every night, I, I have makeup on and now we're all wearing white we're all wearing white masks on stage to set up our gear. Everybody knows it's us. Like it's it's just to the point of like now it's just funny that we're all going to be wearing masks. Like Joe our new bassist Joe, he has half a mask and his face paint is still all white. like you can tell that his face is painted. He's only wearing half a mask, but it's funny. It's campy. And then we come out for the actual show and I'm wearing this disgusting horrifying pig mask from from Saw. Yeah, and, and, you know, and it gets super serious because when I take that off, I'm just covered in blood. I'm like, all this makeup done. Um, and we're, we're, we're on that line of like, during, during the Jaws song, our merch guy comes out in a full-on inflatable shark costume. Like, and at any point in time, Spencer could be holding a very realistic-looking axe. Like, we're, we're becoming more of a, a theatrical stage show than, than just your average metalcore
0: concert. So something with that, with this album being a concept and, and rooted in a lot of visuals that are very obviously based, do you worry once this album cycle is done that, I mean, granted, the, the, that vibe never leaves the band. It's always been a part of the band. But do you ever worry that you kind of pigeonhole yourself kind of into this now look? We will and get to we, that question yep, after a, this next cocktail. Patrick has his cocktail. What which do we is, have here?
1: So you have the
2: Grey
0: Skies Gin here. My favorite distillery in town right now is Long Road. So this is their Miss Gin. Okay. It's going to be some fresh-made lemon juice, a house-made cinnamon clove syrup, a little bit of flamed, you know, this stuff time, <laughs> 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 and double-egg white.
2: How did you know that I'm a big fan of clove? Could you just tell by looking at my smoky eyes? <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's a, a hard soul.
2: Yes, I can. love it. Well, I am going to taste it now.
0: It's also an egg white drink for those uh, that didn't maybe hear that. So it looks beautiful. It does. My wife hates egg white oh. drinks, and it's re- refreshing
2: as all hell. That gin is very good.
1: They do a really good job. All
2: local. They go up to Traverse City and they send their like their staff. And yeah. they go Up there and they pick the juniper themselves. Oh my gosh! Well, so well, here, here in cheers, love that. You, let Let me ask you a question, Ariel. Um, in michigan when you uh, in the distilling process do you know if you have to use all um local ingredients in distilling You do not okay interesting they cool
0: have to be from america
2: gotcha so in new york everything in, in, in new york distillers guild you have to use all local uh, or at least statewide uh, state-based mater- materials so like all of our um, corn and grape and grain all comes from the Niagara Wine Trail um, and and everything else. We, we source all from Western New York. Awesome. So it's kind of a very like prideful thing when you make liquor in New York where you're like, well, we have to do it a certain way because it's we have to do it. <laughs> Legally, we have to do everything in-house, basically. Cool. Yes. Thank you very much, Ariel. Anyway. Um, pigeonholing. Yes. I think that Like you said, the horror aspect of Ice Nine Kills definitely has been there for a long time, and I think with this whole, you know, with the movie and the music videos and the record and all the imagery, I don't think that pigeonholing us into that would be necessarily a bad thing. Um... I think that do
0: you be- feel like it's an untapped market and that's why it's reacting? It's, yeah, and I, and I think that because,
2: you know, thinking more in a movie like like what would be cooler than a sequel? Right, you know, like the Silver Screen Part Two would because there's endless amounts of movies that we could be writing songs about, and Spencer had a list of a hundred movies to start with, you know, like, and it got narrowed down to you know thirteen because that's a spooky number, because six 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 was too long of a record, I guess. Um, Put out three six uh, song <laughs> piece Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like coming up next, like if there was a, a sequel to the record, or if there was you know, an EP where all songs were based off of one movie or if we took one character and did, you know, uh, a a concept record about one character or something like that. Like, I think that pigeonholing yourself, um, we we could make that hole big enough to where it's not going to be the same product every time, but we could still follow that whole that horror theme and the imagery and, and still make it different every time.
0: Right. We're, you know, because you're, you're on a headlining run, and at first, like, not to take anything away from what the band has done over their career, but some would say you guys are still a young enough band that being a headlining band under yourself is still kind of a, a big big deal, uh, maybe yeah. too early, given the fact that you were the second of four on that Atreyu run.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, like, Ice Nine has done headlining runs before. I mean, Affiance was two of four on an Ice Nine Kills tour four years ago, Um They've done plenty of headliners, because um, they—I mean—they've been a band. Spencer's started this band a very long time ago, like 2000. Like, yeah, like coming up on 12 or 13 years, and you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, they've done it before, and I think that coming off of Warp Tour, I think the the Warp Tour experience being as as cool and as big as that was, leading up to the album release, releasing the album, and then doing. That a tray you run with the music videos, with the movie—I mean, everything into it. I think that the past eight months have really taken this band to a level that they've never seen before. And you know, I don't think that we were expecting this headliner, co-headliner. Um, you know, we are alternating with From Ashes to New every night, but we're playing the same uh, the same length set, um, and and we're both treating it like you know headlining spots so we're we're being very equal about it um but i mean even so this whole this whole lineup on this tour being mostly all octane radio bands um we have afterlife palisades from ashes to new us and then ricky from Ice Nine's other band hawk um who previously was known as this of the apocalypse Um, it's jack and ricky from toda in this new band called hawk they're the opener And, uh, you know, it's a lot of, like, Octane bands, a lot of bands that are getting pushed on the radio, a lot of bands that have this hype about it. And, I mean, I don't think any of us expected to just play three sold-out shows in a row. And I don't think any of us expected it to, you know, to be, like I said before, I'm just, like, looking at it, just going, like, (laughs) what the heck, man? I don't think we were expecting this. And, like, we've already got stuff planned for the rest of the year that's, like, holy shit, man. Like, is is this happening? Like, Like, is this happening? (laughs)
0: Right. You know, you spoke to your, your time previously in Affiance, and I think a lot of band people will know that band as well. For I mean, you know, hope not so. To, not to to marginalize it, but it's like sure. you, know, you guys were touring quite a bit, and you made a name for yourself, and yeah. then it just kind of went away. Yeah, uh, as bands do now. Yeah,
2: I mean, when you when you're at a certain level for long enough, and you're not, you know, when when you've plateaued as a band for for long enough, you kind of have to make that hard decision of. I don't think that this is profitable for the band members anymore. It's not profitable for the band anymore. And as much as like dude, Affiance wrote Affiance's third full length is still one of my favorite records that I've ever been a part of. Like, that band ripped. <laughs> like, honestly an amazing metal band that I was super happy to be a part of. But it just gets to the point. Sometimes you just gotta know when to turn the page and when to start start new and, and, and go to that next, that next point, you know?
0: We're. I'm gonna say this, and it's now only because of of my time spent in Buffalo to be in your city sure. to basically get your local culture there, and to actually run into some of your friends. Yeah, uh, which was very weird. Um, <laughs> and, and they, they,
2: they were talking like they were talking about you, and I was like, who are they talking? Oh, oh my God, they just met John.
0: <laughs> well, it's okay. So it's funny because like I know. It's either a love or hated thing about me, and I understand this being almost in my mid-30s now. I know that I can come across very strong, uh, passionate, as a couple of my friends have said it. Uh, and it's either something that you like about me or it's something that you're like, God damn, dude, like, bring it down a little. You're a little much for
2: me right now, man. Yeah. I'm just trying to drink my PBR. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it was one of those things that, uh, and it's been noted on the podcast, that uh, we did not get to see the Christmas show. Right. Uh, because my wife decided to wear the wrong set, pair of shoes that hurt her feet and then leave, and we couldn't get back in. Um, but I had a pretty interesting experience the next day, actually going to the bank, which I went every single day that I was there. Uh, which I think which I can I've, take, I've I picked, can picked take up a couple shifts. I've been bartending. Right? I have been seeing <laughs> Uh I don't know how you make fucking. I don't know how you make those uh, sandwiches in the complete dark. But regardless, uh, when they ask you how you want it done, I'm like, how can you even tell? You can't see. But regardless. Um, it's all, they've got this weird clock in their heads, man.
2: Seriously. As a, as
0: a
1: fast food person, I definitely
0: know that. Somebody, asked
2: for, well, somebody asked for well done, and, and Pat Hoover in his head just goes, all right, set timer for 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's about how long it took me to get me, too. Um, but no, it, you know, being in in your local culture down there, it's interesting because it's like, you know, I ended up going the day after the Christmas show, and Mitch was there from every time I die. Yeah and didn't punish him nothing like that didn't punish anybody there but what was interesting is and i think i got that vibe very much around the whole area is it's very much you know you might have someone who has some notoriety and whatever it is that they do but everyone just appreciates that person for what they do and it seems like a breeding ground a very blue collar breeding ground for what everyone just is like that dude busted his ass to, to do to be good in this one field, whether it be being in a band, being a bartender, being whatever it happens to be. And I kind of wanted to know, like, did that environment really uh, facilitate your creative envir- like your creative interests? I,
2: I I think that it's being raised uh, the way that I was raised by the parents I was raised by in the city um, of Buffalo. Definitely, uh, you know, it, it is something where, you know, I, I grew up in the theater with my parents. They're, they're very uh, uh, theater-centered, theater, theater-goers, theater people. They, they traveled the country touring in for dinner theater before my sister was born. And, you know, they'd go and they'd stay. Uh, they'd, they'd sleep in the annex above a restaurant and perform dinner theater every night for a month, and then they'd go to Philadelphia, and then they'd go to D.C., and then they'd go to St. Louis, and then they'd be in L.A. doing it. So they toured before... Even you. Before, yeah, but, but, you know, 30, 30, 35 years ago, they were touring... Uh, my mother is a award-winning singer in Buffalo. My dad's written musicals that have been performed locally. Like, now I, I grew up in this very musical family, a very well-known musical family that in the same aspect, is just living their normal lives and it's it's just a very humbling like i I don't i don't think of being known for something as something that i um need to benefit from being known for something is something that i can take pride in and and that i am i'm absolutely humbled by and you know i i don't go places and expect to be you know you know expect to be known or expect to be uh, anything like that I've, i've never been that kind of person and it's it's cool to be in an industry in the bar industry to where you know i can go to other bars and connect with people and people know me as the guy from lockhouse or whatever and it's cool to go to shows and it's cool to go around and be like that's the guy from this or whatever but at no point in time has that ever affected like the way that I carry myself or the way in, in, in any kind of negative fashion that's affected probably the way that I've carried myself positively to where I'm like, I need to, I need to be, um, you know, <laughs> you know, better.
0: <laughs> you know, Do you like, ever think about how being in the customer service world realm of being a bartender uh, serves you in,
2: you know, I think of it the opposite way.
0: Really? I thought of my,
2: my, uh, my, my need to entertain people, um, from the stage made me a good bartender because you know behind the stick, as we say.
0: <laughs> what an asshole! <laughs>
2: when I'm behind the copper. <laughs> no, it's it's like I I have as much fun with 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 customers behind uh, you know behind the bar as I do when I do like VIP meet and greets with with ice nine stuff. Like I make it fun man like and, and i'm able to like throw in a little flair when i'm bartending and throw some shit around because it's fun to entertain people and i always took that as my like man i may not be the best drummer on this tour but god damn it am i gonna entertain some fucking people tonight <laughs> and that's what i've always just like my father like my father my mother my father's the funniest person i know and i just like i want to ma- i want to make people feel like they are having the best experience and so when I started bartending and, and, and cocktail making, I wanted it to be, reflect the way that I like to, um, to entertain people.
0: What got you into the world of craft spirits?
2: Um, drinking.
0: Well, <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> I'm really good at drinking. So I was going to Lockhouse Distillery enough okay. to where I noticed that they didn't have a bar back. And this was November of 2017. So this is only like two years ago said, you guys don't have a bar back. said, yeah. I go, I could be here every night if you wanted me to be.
0: No, sorry to cut you off. Uh, I think when I was talking to Jay Wu uh, when we were down there, because he happened to be at Lockhouse, uh, very randomly, uh, didn't plan on it. And I saw him. I was like, I think that's Jason. And then he turns around. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? And you know, I was like, I could ask you the same thing because uh, we were trying to figure out a time to hook up. But uh, with that being said... Vera was closing actually. Yeah. You worked at Vera, correct? No, I did not work at Vera. I thought, no. Okay, I thought he had said that you had worked at Vera.
2: No, I had done, um, I had pulled a couple shifts at a bar called Buffalo Proper. That's the one you're thinking of. Yeah. I had bar back there a couple times just when they needed help. Um, and, uh, you know, that was after I had gotten the bar back gig at Lockhouse, which quickly turned into a bartending role because I got behind the bar and was just fully immersed into what I didn't know that I was good at, which was. Putting things together, and and the the palate, like the uh, the mixology portion of it, to where um, it turns out that I have a pretty good palate that I didn't even know about. So I came I came into the role of creating cocktails very quickly, and the actual uh, the actual job of bartending and customer service came just very naturally because I feel like I'm a very personable person and I know how to take care of people and I'm very loud and outgoing and can yell at customers from across the bar and hear what their orders are <laughs> So yeah I mean that's what got me into it I mean I've only been doing it for a couple of years now like not even a couple of years and something that's very that came very naturally
0: I'm torn between getting a Rico Suave because it's sort of the same as this on on the same level do you, do you still have... You probably do not have the green green uh, simple syrup anymore, do you? No,
1: but I could make the exact same drink. It just won't be green.
0: Mm. Okay, do that. Please.
1: <laughs>
0: they made a bomb-ass uh, cocktail uh, for St. Paddy's Day-ish. They used a the green simple syrup. Took a photo of it. Uh, I'll show you because uh, it was how I met this this gentleman that was just uh, talking was to Was it people.
2: like a matcha or was it like uh, just f- our, our colored green?
0: Well, okay, so here's the fun thing. It used a... And the the best part was is Devani ended up using the the place we're at currently ended up using <laughs> my photo because uh, I did.
2: Oh wow, that's a, so
0: There
2: there's something about that green where you could either say that's a beautiful looking drink or that drink looks like slime. <laughs> and, yeah, and
0: here's the uh, ingredients, which I just found out about Magellan Gin.
2: Oh yeah, I'm Magellan Saint Germain. Yeah. Very good. yeah that looks delicious I want to know how they made the green simple syrup green how did we make it? was that just food coloring because I, I was making a matcha simple syrup that was kind of like a lighter grassier green than that um, oh okay like yeah like you would get at a cake store I
0: don't I don't think there are cake stores I don't think that's a thing <laughs> a bakery yeah a bakery <laughs> Uh, While we're on this topic, so I went out to uh, Seattle, which – are you going to Seattle on this tour?
2: Uh, Yeah, we will be on Seattle on the second leg with uh, Falling in Reverse. Okay,
0: so I don't know where exactly you're going to be, and I don't know if you – and I'll have to look through my old social media posts. Uh, I'll either send you a DM or whatever the fuck. There is a craft cocktail place we found in in Seattle that is – is this place but Seattle yeah, sure we'll be and, there on the 19th of May by the way okay. at uh, uh,
2: the Showbox Market which I've never played
0: alright I'll have to figure out where this place was or whatever and, and give you the information it's craft cocktail bar and the lady behind the bar was phenomenal uh, I walked in because they on their marquee outside it said Thug Life was the drink of the day and I was like I need uh, to know yep. I was like I need to know what that is so I walked in had one it was fucking isn't, delicious
2: isn't mar- marketing in,
0: in like the bar world it's amazing it, I mean if it, like, gets we'll you, if, it get, if
2: it gets you to walk into an establishment and get that drink, then like, they've done a fantastic job.
0: We're going to take you to the Anchor tonight, and the Anchor has a marquee, and it's just like, we have, uh, it's like, beer is made with hops. Hops are basically vegetables, so come on in and have your daily drink, of, like, dose of vegetables sure. or whatever. Um, so all that being said, we went to this place in Seattle, and... I went in because of the thug life. I was like, I, I don't give a fuck how much it costs. It's probably a $13 drink. I need – and it probably has Hennessy. I don't give a shit. I, I, f- I fucking need it. I'm being kind of racist, but whatever. Um, Thugs love Hennessy. They do. V.S.O.P. man. And uh, so I decided to go in, and, and we're my wife and I and our friends are, are very adventurous drinkers. So uh, we ended up going to this place and, and talking to the bartender who came up with the drink and how they came up with it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, she, I'm looking at her barware and all the bar stuff, and the ingredients that they have, like the raw ingredients, and I see a basil paste, and I was like, "What the fuck would you use basil paste for? Like a paste in general? I don't. I just don't." So then she explains. She goes, "Well, I wanted to create. I had this idea for a drink called uh, Blood. I think it was called Blood in the Sand."
1: Sure.
0: And she was like, "But I wanted it to create a sand, a sand texture to the drink. So I was trying to think of what I could do to." Make a drink have that texture. So, I played around with a lot of different ingredients and I came up with this basil paste because it kind of gives it that sandy. Interesting. Yes. So, when I go on my social media and I find where that place yes, was, please. I will send, send you my there because I would like some basil. And then basil there's also paste. a Tapas place that I went to. Yes, I love Tapas. There's a great Tapas place here and they make great cocktails as well. Regardless of that, though, it's not very far from the place I went to and it's next to a phenomenal record store called Sonic Boom. I always recommend people go there and check it out. But they, I did the same thing, like I do here, where I was just like, uh, I'm feeling whiskey. Sure. Make something. There,
2: there's there's a lot of times that as uh, you know, a, as a bartender, I could definitely feel when, when when people when people come in and they go, hey, make me a vodka cocktail. I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, uh, okay, I need to I need to know more about you and your taste in order to do this where if somebody comes in with that kind of attitude that's like fun and like adventurous and like oh my god I really love whiskey like what what do you think that uh, what do you think you can make me with whiskey even 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 the tone of the voice of what do you think you can make me with whiskey and hey make me a vodka cocktail go fuck, <laughs> go fuck yourself first of all I would love to make you a whiskey cocktail and let me get to know you a little bit, and I would love to do that for you. You know, you oh, still that's, made it kind of green. That's something that. I... Oh, oh, that's right, the
0: Magellan. That's right, that's right, that's right.
2: That that garnish is beautiful.
0: I've already had this, but I'll, I'll defer it to Patrick for his. Uh... That's Saint Germain, man. Yeah, a little bit. I just, I didn't, you know. It's funny. When the last Germain. time. No, it's good. When he, uh, water, It's and very and good.
1: <laughs> Magellan gin, uh, Irish fruit-infused gin, and then a uh, little St. Germain, lemon, simple, uh, and a dash of rose water.
2: Very, very tasty.
0: It was very good. Uh, Absolutely love it. the way that this is proposed to me last time when I decided to go a gin route, he goes, do you want... Like light and fruity. Do you want like? Sure. And he asked me different flavor profiles, which to gin, me, gin is very versatile. It is, and that's the thing. I'm excited. I, I for those who can't see, uh, sort of you actually will now because I'm I'm introducing video to the YouTube channel. So, uh, I gifted uh, Patrick when I saw him on the Atreyu tour. Actually, I gifted Porter. You gifted Porter and I Porter, porter. Gave it to me. <laughs> Uh, I gifted Porter, and I'm going to do the same thing when they're here shortly. Uh, Julia sends her regards, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Julia, uh, I'm going to send sweetheart. a photo. We're going to take a photo, and I'm going to send it to all them. But uh, regardless, um, I brought Michigan-based liquors and beers to the Atreides Tour because I feel like when you have friends on the tour, that's what you do. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's be real. Yeah, very we're not appreciative. Pay, we're not paying to get in, and we get a, a decent hookup. So it's like, let me give you a little bit of, like, my local flavor. Sure. So last time it was a cherry whiskey, a, a Grand Traverse whiskey. Uh, whiskey cherry whiskey made with uh traverse city cherries which is very pronounced in that so good and even people who i don't i think don't necessarily like whiskey can drink that neat and it's you get all the flavor profile yeah
2: it's definitely it's it's uh it took the harshness away from the whiskey that that's somebody that doesn't really like whiskey if that's the reason they don't like whiskey is because of how harsh it is um it it's It made it easy for them to drink, and for somebody who likes whiskey, the flavor of it was, um, you know, a nice additive to a good whiskey.
0: Yes. Um, So Patrick went on and and made, apparently, Porter and him stash that bottle away. (laughs) Yes, yes. It it looked like, from the videos I saw, a decent week and a half, (laughs) which for a fifth is (laughs) on a big tour. Yeah, no, we we were
2: taking our time doing doing our own special things with that.
0: (laughs) I think it, what was great is Matty Mullins, who was like, I- "I'm vocally warming up for the show, blah blah blah," and then like he took a pull off and was like, "God damn," or he didn't say God damn. <laughs> I'm gonna gosh darn it. He was like, "That was really good," but I, from my perspective, it, it basically was God damn, that was really sure. good, um, which I think speaks to the to the whiskey itself. So this time I gave him, uh, as you'll see on the YouTube video if you go there, uh, it's a barrel finished uh, gin. This is actually the gin that got me into it. Jason Wood, who we just talked about recently and oh. who I'm hoping to get on soon. Uh, I bought this after getting into it, and I knew he was big. He got me into gin, so I was like, "What's a good recipe for for a gin cocktail that I can make that for a, for a, a novice?" Um, so he basically told me a recipe that involved gin, a uh, couple of dashes of bitters, fresh grapefruit, uh, fresh lime juice, um, as well as uh, ginger beer, and it called for Campari. It,
2: it, yeah, kind of kind of went a little bit of mule mule yeah, style on that. But
0: uh, initially. I just started going to places and asking for it because this is available yeah. at almost every bar here locally. Sure. But a lot of people don't have Campari or Aperol, so it gets a little bit tough. Yeah. So then it becomes a mule, like you're saying. And then uh, there was a bar that a friend of mine worked at at the time, and she was like, that's so good. That's so good. When this the, uh, Grace guys first came out, and she goes, what do you call that? Because we'll, we'll put it on our menu. And I was like, well, considering it came from a guy in in, in the Nickel City, let's call it the Nickel City Bounce, which is a, an ode to my hat, Shea Hawk. I
2: absolutely love that. Shea Hawk, dude. <laughs> I remember that dude back. We went
0: and got back wings. in the we day, we went and got man. wings at uh, Gibraltar's. Is that uh, uh, Gabriel's, oh, Gabriel's? Gabriel's Wins at Gabriel's, 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 Gabriel's wings, Gate. Best and got wings. wings
2: in the city. Um, I'll have to remember doing barrel aged and um, a Campari together because we make Lockhouse makes our own version of Campari okay. called Ibisco Bitters, um, which is just Ibisco a, a, a a, a Bitters. Ibisco. I I B. Hibisco, oh, I- I- b um, so that's what we use in our Negronis and stuff like that. So I'll have to you know our barrel aged Negroni with our barrel aged gin. Sweet vermouth and absinthe bitters is is a very well liked cocktail there. Um, I'll have to remember about the grapefruit juice and ginger beer with that because that sounds fantastic.
0: It is very delicious. It's a very well rounded, kind of complex drink. Yeah. Um, So anyway, we were talking before I got this drink going down. I was talking about uh,
2: people ordering drinks. I think. Well, you were talking
0: about how you got into craft cocktail making, bar backing, and then finding your. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, and and I guess what I was going to say was, um, you know. uh, Having a relationship with um, the customer that you are, are serving a cocktail to um, is definitely something that I, I take very seriously, and I've I've learned a lot from um, I learned a lot from the owner of Buffalo Proper, uh, John Carroll. Um, uh, the few times that I bar backed with him, and then being served by him, you know, if you're not going to order a cocktail from the cocktail list, and you're just going to sit around and and you know. Kind of bullshit with your bartender a little bit, um, you know. Find out the bartender is going to find out what you like and and how they're going to make your experience the best possible by making you the best thing out of out of their brain. That kind of bartender's choice thing, you know. Um, but saying "make me a vodka cocktail," you know, I could make you a very very shitty cocktail or uh, vodka cocktail that you're not going to like because I know nothing else about you're your palate. And I and I watched John one time deal with a an inebriated guy who was in just going, I like whiskey.
1: Give me something with whiskey
2: in it. And John was like, hey, man, that's that's not really how I work, man. I, I want to, you know, I kind of want to know what you like in your, like, if you want a Manhattan, if you want an old-fashioned, if you want a spritz, if you want a this, blah, 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 blah. And the guy was just like, I don't fucking care. And John was like, okay, well, if you don't fucking care, then I don't fucking care. Because right. cause if, if that's the way that you're going if to, if that's the interaction that we're going to have, sure. So he just goes, okay, whiskey. So John climbed up. To the very top fucking shelf, and he came down with a, you know, a twenty-seven, thirty-dollar pour of whiskey, and poured this guy two ounces, and said, "Here's your whiskey cocktail, my friend," and put a very, very expensive whiskey in front of him. And this guy drank it, paid on his card, and walked out of there. And I was just like, that guy probably just had some of the best whiskey that he is ever going to have, and he didn't even f- fucking care.
0: <laughs> my parents. This is a fun story, and I don't think I've gotten to tell it ever on here so my parents aren't big whiskey drinkers at all but for whatever reason they love collecting very i don't know if they're rare but they're very uh vintage jack daniels bottles decanter bottles and stuff like riverboat riverboat captain and stuff like that like if i like when i inherited the only one i've gotten out of like the 10 i think they have if i would have sold it just straight up on ebay i could have gotten at least 1100 dollars for a full bottle yeah so we're kind of and it's like it's aged 75 years in the barrel and then when i got it i got it on my 25th birthday so, a couple years ago. <laughs> ten, almost ten yeah. years ago now. Um, the alcohol, you know, it preserves me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. because of that baby face you got. Someone said this to my wife and I. We're like, you mean our fat faces? Because <laughs> we drink? <laughs> okay, whatever. But, uh, so basically I'm drinking, which granted I know, and a lot of people don't, I don't think know this, but like once something's barrel, like once it's bottled, that's it. It doesn't age anymore. Right. So I had technically 100-year-old whiskey, but once it it was bottled at 75 years so it's not a centennial whiskey at that technically but it is so it i made that thing last about a year from when i opened it to when i finished it
2: and it was was, a bottle of jack daniels
0: it was a a riverboat captain jack daniels it was so good and like people would want to like shoot it and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I, w- I would only bust it on, like, special occasions. Like, people who I know really had a, a good palate for whiskey. Yeah, please enjoy this. And I go, I'm going to pour you, a, like, a nice – I'm going to put it, pour it neat. I'm not putting it over on the rocks because that's a, couple, a disservice. A couple fingers. Yeah, usually about three because I have a heavy hand or heavy fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I got but, a uh, big hand. Yeah. Bill Brasky was here. Um, <laughs> so – but I would be like, we're going to – this drink – It's going to last a minimum of 30 minutes. You're not going to shoot it. You're going to sip it. That's what it deserves. And while my parents were a little bummed that I drank something that they had held held on to for a quarter century. And not
2: sold it for $1,100.
0: They didn't care about that either. (laughs) But I'm the only one in my family that likes whiskey or bourbons or anything. I'm, I'm the only one that really drinks the way that I do. So, but it's one of those things that like, and the thing that I like about doing this podcast with people who do like drinking and have experience either in the realm of being a bartender or even just traveling the world because of the band that they're in but also getting to experience visiting places is it doesn't matter if it's if it's a spirit if it's a coffee if it's a tea like you know a really expensive really nice like loose leaf tea that you can go to fancy coffee shops and get basically the whole crux of it is a shared sit down experience with the person that you're with and have a conversation and to me that's what I really dig about drinking in a social, exp- in a social atmosphere. Sure. And especially, you know, like in a place where tonight my wife and I met Ariel, we met, you know, everyone here and we have become like, granted, she, she sits, you know, across the copper, across the, the, you know, copper. All the, the copper, you know, and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But it's like, we have become friends because of a shared love from her aspect of all the time she has spent creating craft cocktails, literally. Yeah. And friendships over whatever. It's,
2: it's when when regulars when regulars become more than regulars, yes. and relating it back to music, when like a fan becomes more than a fan, when people have been coming out to shows enough times, when they've seen your band enough times, to where you know, I, there's so many plenty of affiance fans that turned into friends of mine, that even if I'm in their city, not anything music related, I'll hit up and just be like, hey man, you out? like you want to meet me out for a drink or something like that like people that have seen you know been with me in my musical career since the very beginning that you know when you know somebody for more than 10 years there's no way to consider that person like a fan anymore when you have when you have personal reaction or personal uh, interactions with with somebody for that long of a time at that point I, f- I forget I forget the the reason to why I even met them you know like I met you at an Affiance show but 10 years later, you're not an Affiance fan to me. Like, you're the, you're my buddy Jake, you know? Like, it's, it's when a regular becomes your relationship just hits a point to where you I, I can't consider you just a regular anymore, you know?
0: Slowly kind of in wrapping up because I know you got a show to get ready for. Yes,
2: um, and I usually don't drink before I play, but you somehow convinced me to drink a little bit of gin.
0: I, I do that. And, uh, and I was also at Founders. <laughs> yeah, it happens.
2: Um, <laughs> Prepare for a sloppy performance. <laughs> I'm going to say it on stage, too. This is John's
0: fault. <laughs> yeah, give me the cheap plug. I'll, I'll gladly take it. <laughs> I would have brought my banner and put it behind you. I'm gonna, like, we are the reason that this uh, this, this is a sloppy performance. Um, we got your money anyway, though. Fuck you. <laughs> but regardless of all that, you know, it's a, this is a two-part question. In your travels now with Ice Nine Kills, and, and I, I know you haven't been in the band a long time. Sure, since but I, I'm gonna, uh, June. Yeah. So I'm going to say in your travels as a whole, sure. where do you see either the craft beer? Do you think the craft beer bubble has burst? And it's now about just like local distilleries and craft cocktails? What do you think is the next trend in, in drinking?
2: Um, the next trend in drinking? Well, I'll definitely say that, like, your your dive bar is never gonna die out. You, the your local watering hole, your your two dollar PBR, your two dollar well drinks, your you know that that dirty crusty dive bar scene is never gonna die out. Um, so that's always gonna be a way to drink. As far as as craft cocktails and stuff like that go, I think that. I think that I've been seeing a lot more of, and although we are in a very beautiful establishment right now, um, with very well dressed black on black on black collared shirts, some very <laughs> coach belt. Um, although we are in a very nice establishment here, I th- I do think that we're going to see a lot of more um, more dive cocktail bars. Um, meaning what? meaning and i like using
0: lockhouse as a example to where we're i definitely think to cut you off. i definitely think lockhouse has a diy vibe. Exactly. A, a,
2: we're a punk rock cocktail bar, man. Like i i th- i throw my i throw my scene kid emo playlist on when i go in or i throw metal on and you come in and, uh, and I'm not wearing, you know, I'm not wearing an apron. I'm not, I'm not, we're not dressed to a dress code. I'm in there wearing, wearing an Azalea t-shirt and, you know, backwards hat and black nail polish on. But I'm going to make you one of the best fucking cocktails you've ever had. Right. Our menus are just paper menus that come out. And, you know, it's, it's, we're a very, like, yeah exactly a very DIY very punk rock like we don't take ourselves too seriously the the ego's not there and I think I've been seeing a lot on Instagram I follow a lot of like mixology and bartender and and, and cocktail accounts and hashtags and yeah. I've been seeing just a lot more of just like you're kind of like everyday looking you know trendy of the times person that you would expect to be on this side of the bar drinking, right. on the other side of the bar creating awesome things, um, and you know obviously the rise of the my the rise of microbreweries and the rise of like you know small batching stuff. I mean that that's that's been coming up for the past ten years now, right. um, and I and I don't think that's going to stop either. But I think that the 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 scene itself and the atmosphere that you're going to get in cocktail bars, I think that's going to get a little bit more. Um, Casual, you know, like a, a, a casual cocktail bar in which, you know, the people from the suburbs are going to come in from downtown and take a look at your list and be like, this, this looks interesting. And also you look interesting. <laughs> You're telling me that this guy's going to make me a martini and I'm going to go, fuck you. Yeah, I'm going to make you a martini. I'm going to make you one of the best martinis you have ever had. And then I end up making them one of the best martinis I've ever had. And they don't and, and they didn't even expect it to happen, you know. I, I I think that, that and I think that that's a cool I think that's cool you
0: know yeah no I definitely I definitely agree with that based on the traveling I don't do as much traveling as you do but I would definitely say in the traveling my wife and I have done in the last couple of years and you
2: have purpose to, like when you travel you have the purpose of like when I travel it's for it's for work when you travel you you have the purpose of. I, like this you want the you you want to get this opinion you you're going so that you so that you you can talk about it you're going you're traveling so that y- you can have this opinion about this question you know like
0: yeah i think for me like the fun thing has been just like we're going back to atlanta in a couple uh about a couple weeks yeah. or about a month or so so will we we uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. <John. whatever. laughs> one of my favorite bars is the elmar and i can't wait to go there every I think we might be floating around for a 36-hour trip. We're going to hit strip clubs, Elmar, a Braves game, and a bunch of other shit.
2: And is this in April?
0: I think
2: so. And beginning or end of April? I don't remember.
0: Okay, we're in Atlanta on April 28th, so keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, my thing has been, and I think it's very much indicative of what we kind of, the, the whole conversation we've had where it's like just being about being adventurous and stepping outside of your comfort zone a little bit and trusting other people, I love going to somewhere, as soon as we get, like, we went to Atlanta. We went to a pizza place we found, and we just asked our server, where do you go? Yeah. Like, we do that everywhere we go, where it's like, where do you go? Because you know what? I don't want the touristy spot. I want that fucking local flavor. I
2: want that recommendation from the guy that looks like he's going to be there when he gets off of work. Exactly.
0: And to me, my wife and I have been together almost nine years now total. And we've been traveling, I would say, around the U.S. the last four or five. And doing that as soon as we get somewhere has led to the most fun trips we've ever been on. Because we get to experience the everyday aspect of every time we go to. You feel like, and in the words of every time I die, you know, (laughs) which,
2: I mean, how could I not? Come on. Everywhere you go, you're the local boys and you're back in town. Like, when you get that experience from from someone, not just a, a local, but from someone that you can tell has... You know, has and has the best recommendation for you. You're gonna go to that spot, and you're gonna already feel like you're at your your you know your home bar. Like I have those I have those select bars across the country as as, like you said that you know when I go to Portland I go to Binks. I love Binks. I think I've been there. Pool table, cool little bar, you know, great beer list, and it's this nice little hole in the wall joint that I that I love. You know, there there are certain bars in every city that I like well we got to go there man like that's where i go every time i'm here right
0: because i was told to go there (laughs) right and then lastly where what does 2019 hold for ice nine kills and how how quickly are you looking to follow up the success of this record wow well
2: 2019 definitely um seeing as this is the beginning of our march into madness tour um we have about four days in between this and then being direct support for Falling in Reverse, which for Ashes to New will be with us as well. Um, joined by New Year's Day opening that tour, and then um, we have uh, most of the summer off. Seeing as last summer we did all of Warp Tour, um, so this summer we play a couple festivals in Wisconsin: uh, Rock USA and Rock Fest. Yeah, no way.
0: I spilling the beans. Uh, my the, the website that we are a part of. Yes. Uh, put in for me to get approved for that which they have been approved the last couple of times so john that's
2: fantastic congratulations i'm gonna uh, shake so your we'll
0: hand see you there all right uh,
2: hopefully we'll see you in Detroit. yes awesome um well yeah so we'll be doing that in the summer and then um come fall i mean fall time sounds pretty spooky to me sounds i feel like, like for- that that would be a good time to do um another you know something to do with the record um, something we haven't done like a full album release tour yet. We, we did playing
0: it in its entirety or uh, no, just doing oh, no.
2: just doing you know like a silver scream tour, you know. Um, you know, we, we did it, we did a couple album release shows like right when it came out, right. a couple parties and like in Massachusetts and stuff. Um, so uh, I have a feeling that come the fall, we'll be doing um, some sort of you know big silver scream based thing. Um, and there's definitely talks of getting. Out of the country by the end of the year, maybe doing some, um, some stuff overseas. So, you know, th- the year is looking to be, next year it sounds like- yeah, it, looking to be very busy. And hopefully, uh, from the from the looks of the past three shows with us headlining, I mean, I'm 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 very excited, and I'm very humbled, and I'm very uh, very thankful to have the opportunity to be brought into this band at the time that I was brought in because I feel like. Um, I definitely added my own, my own persona and my own flair to this band. And I think that it's something that people have noticed and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it and happy to see like where it's, where it's going to take us. And, you know, it's just, man, hard hard work does not, it really
0: does pay (laughs) off, man. It really does. I don't care what they say. (laughs) And lastly, where can people find you and or the band online? Oh, okay. Yeah. So,
2: um, ice9kills.com is the ice9kills website. Uh, I believe the uh, the Instagram of Ice Nine Kills is Ice Nine Kills spelled out, and the Twitter is Ice Number Nine Kills. That might be switched. It won't be that hard to find. It'll
0: all be in the show notes. Yeah, it, I, I just mean, want people, you it, know, double up on the information. Yeah, and then um,
2: you can find me on my personal Instagram at Patrick Galante, which is G A L A N T E, uh, and on Twitter at P A T underscore T E R N
0: S. That's Pat turns like oh, yeah. a drum pattern. Uh, I got do it. Do you get it? Oh, I got it. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm a man who loves puns. So when I saw it, I was like, "That's great." Well, thank you, Patrick, for uh, taking the time. I know I kept you for about another half hour more than we were planning. That's but, totally uh, fine, John. Uh, thank you again for doing this. It was Thank a long you for time having coming. me.
2: I know we've been in talks about it, and I and I wanted to make sure we did it in person and not and not over the phone because this is a fantastic experience. We
0: will have to do a part two. Where we just maybe don't talk about the band at all. I mean, I mean,
2: part two could be maybe in Atlanta, maybe in Detroit, maybe in Wisconsin at this point.
0: Or all three. Or four. all four. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much. And uh, go check out this tour. If it comes to you and you don't have a ticket, uh, you fucked up because it's probably going to be sold out. So uh, get your tickets. See this band. And support Patrick and Ice Nine Kills, and we will talk to you guys later. So that was my conversation with Patrick Galante of Ice Nine Kills. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, Obviously, I like to to go drinking and and talk with friends. Uh, So this is just right up my alley. And and one that I was really glad Patrick went along with the idea of doing it at a bar at a craft cocktail place. and I have to say, you know, we feature stuff made at Bar Devani or Devani as it is on uh, social media and so forth. Uh, quite a bit on our socials, mainly Instagram. Um, but, you know, huge thanks goes out to Ariel for constantly challenging my palate uh, in the co- craft cocktail space. And it was really cool that she made a drink for Patrick and he was like, well, how did you know I like this ingredient? And she was like, I don't know. I just guessed. And so, I mean, that that to me is one of the allures of when getting into craft cocktails from a an ingredient structure and and not just being like, I like booze. I like getting fucked up. It's like, there can be more... Finesse? <laughs> yeah. I, I, there can be more finesse and there can be more sophistication to it. And just like food, which I think, you know, everyone always praises everyone's culinary palate, but when it comes to alcohol, everyone seems to think it's like not the same, even though it totally is. Like, you have seasonal ingredients, you have to learn how these ingredients interact with one another, and there's, you know, ratios, and you have to perfect these, these recipes because a little bit too much is something will completely fucking ruin a drink
1: yeah it's definitely like putting a slide puzzle together you know you have to start with a basic set of ingredients and kind of be able to mix them together in such a way that it's going to create a clear picture of something else so you're taking you're taking all these little different elements and forming a picture out of that and i i think that's definitely a skill that is underappreciated i mean how many people go to a bar and like they have a drink in mind and they're just like like a cocktail in mind and if you screw up one little itty bitty tiny thing on it, it's like, oh, you didn't put the you didn't put the 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 lemon peels at the top of mine. I'm not making fun of you. I promise. No,
0: that's it's fine. It's uh, it's funny actually bringing that up because uh, on Instagram the other day we were at Devani, and I wanted a White Russian, but I was trying to think of a way to change it, add to it, to make it something different, so it's not just a normal White Russian, um. So I happened to be there, and I was like, "Do you have something a fun play on it?" And what Ariel ended up doing was actually making uh, like an orange uh, White Russian. So it's kind of like a cream sickly kind of uh, White Russian. And that sounds like fun. It was so good. It was so good. I, if they weren't like eleven dollars for one, I probably would have drank like fifteen more of them. Because <laughs> you know the problem with White Russians is it tastes like chocolate milk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the last time I had White Russians, it was almost I burned myself out on them because we were watching The Big Lebowski at a party, and it was just you have a White Russian every time the dude has a White Russian.
0: <laughs> so for like the two hours, you yeah.
1: So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much good for life after that. But yeah, something, something with like a Dreamsicle slant to it might be more up my alley. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fun too, kind of, you know, talking with Patrick about,
0: you know, this, this craft cocktail, craft beer, craft spirits and so forth, or even going into craft coffee, because it seems like everyone is just putting this such unique spin on, on these things that have been staples for so long. Like they had, we had IPAs and, and loggers and all these things, but it seems like now we're in this age where everyone's trying to push the boundaries of what is these ingredients or what can be done with these things. And it's really exciting. And I mean, even like tea, like, I don't know, like. You know, it seems like loose leaf tea is a, is a new trend now. Like it used to just be like, oh, just have it in a fucking bag. Now it's like, no, you got to have like your little uh your little loose leaf tea and your little like cup thing that you you know, and all these fancy ways to disperse the uh, the tea into the water and and all this kind of stuff. And it's just wild to see like how we're taking something that seemingly was more or less taken for granted or just like a, eh, whatever. And now we're putting all this thought and care into it. And I, I think it's just really fun.
1: Well, I think it has a lot to do with our generation is so used to prepackaged things. You know, I used to always joke. People are like, why do you like McDonald's cheeseburgers so much? They're not really good cheeseburgers. Like if you went home right now and made a cheeseburger, it would taste a thousand times better. And I used to always say, well, because it's a sure thing. You know, it, it's always going to taste the same. You can go to any fast food restaurant and get the same thing every time, and it always tastes the same. Um, your your bottles of soda are going to always taste the same. Your Coca-Cola in a bottle is going to always taste like Coca-Cola in a bottle. Um, your prepackaged food, your Hot Pockets, are going to always taste like Hot Pockets. And I realize I'm, like, really revealing how much of a poor person I am, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is that you can't really – sustain on that forever eventually you want to branch out and wonder what else is out there and i think there's a certain feeling with these craft beers and these craft teas and craft coffees that you're experiencing something that you've never really experienced before and it's done in such a way that it feels unique and special to you i think that's that's the appeal especially to the local craft brewery Like, I've got this huge hard-on for this logboat place that's, like, right by where I'm at because they're always putting out a different series of beer, and I feel like they're always for me. And I don't feel like people are just, like, all over the U.S. experiencing the same thing I am. So does that make me an entitled millennial? Probably. Like, oh, the thing I have is really cool. You should check it out, but don't let it get too popular, or I'm going to abandon it, you know? But, like... It, we're the same generation that were like, you know what, I, this this digital music thing's really cool, but you know what I really think would be cool, just putting on a record and sitting down and listening to it on speakers, you know, instead of on headphones. And oh man, cassette tapes, those were really cool. I you know, like, I think it's all kind of birthed from the same mindset. No, most assuredly,
0: and I thought it was kind of cool talking with Patrick about that, and also kind of talking about. I mean, I'm interested to see where the band goes from here with, you know, do they do a Silver Scream 2, do they do, like it would seem to be with the, you know, like horror movies, and start building a franchise off of the Silver Scream. Obviously, they've always kind of mixed the horror-themed lyrics from horror movies and so forth into the music, but not quite in this way, and so now it just makes me wonder, it's like, okay, like. From here on out, are we just going to get like a Silver Scream one, two, three, four, you know, whatever, and just kind of keep going? Because there's, I mean, hundreds of horror movies that he could choose from. And so, I mean, I'm just kind of interested to see where this goes.
1: Well, I think it just depends on how natural that process would be for the band. I guess what I mean by that is that if Silver Scream 2 has always been in the books and there's more you want to do with it, you know, you want to make a sequel Great. Like that's that's fantastic. We're all gonna like that because it's all part of the original vision. However, if it's one of those situations where well we have to do another one because the other the last one sold so well, we have to somehow recreate it. If you come into the if you come into it from that angle, we might see a drop off in quality. I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but I think it just depends on what the idea was going into the original. For sure.
0: And if you would like to keep up with uh, everything going on with Ice 9 Kills and see what's going on uh, with this process, uh, you can find them on Facebook at Ice 9 Kills, Instagram at Ice, the number 9 Kills, and Twitter is at Ice 9 Kills. If you would like to keep up with Patrick, you can find him on Instagram at Patrick Galante spell his name. Uh, Twitter is at pat underscore turns, T-E-R-N-S so patterns. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at metalnexus.net, Facebook at metalnexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. And Dan, where can people find you?
1: You can find me all over the internet, John. You can find me on Facebook and on Twitter. On Facebook it's just my name, Daniel Terry. On Twitter it's at Discuss Metal Dan. Uh, I have another podcast called Discography Discussion that you can find out more about at discussmetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can
0: find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bruce Speak Pod. Check us out on YouTube at Brutally Speaking Podcast. Uh, it's basically just the same podcast, but it's on YouTube. So if that's how you choose to listen to podcasts, there you go. Uh, we will be uploading some videos here pretty soon. I know I've been saying that, but uh, there's some stuff coming up, and uh, it's just a, a matter of <laughs> uploading these massive files onto YouTube. Um, so soon you'll be able to start seeing some of these interviews and so forth. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, Podcast, podcast i am john
1: and i am dan
0: and we will talk to you all next time